0: Hello. Welcome to this episode of Great Conversations. This is our third conversation in our series and today we have the privilege of having a great conversation with Dr. Julie Hatcher. Dr. Hatcher is the Executive Director of the Center for Service and Learning at Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. She is also Associate Professor of Philanthropic Studies here at IUPUI. Dr. Hatcher, Thank you for joining us today in this great conversation. It's
1: a pleasure, thanks for inviting me.
0: As you well know,
1: we are living in
0: precarious times Mm. in the realm of higher education. Mm. Higher Higher ed has always faced myriad challenges, but in the 21st century, it's a fairly cobbled landscape for higher ed. Dr. Hatcher, in your mind, what would you say is perhaps the greatest challenge facing higher education today, and specifically facing higher education in attaining its overarching goals of improving the quality of life and building the commonwealth for everyone?
1: That's a large question. It is and a very important question, and it's the kind of question that has actually, I'll say, given energy to my profession throughout my uh, career. Um, I hold on to this ideal, and inspired very much by the work of John Dewey, that um, education, particularly higher education, has a very significant and public purpose in our democracy. and. Um, that public purpose, I think, is being called into question at, at this particular time. I think it's also that public purpose, there's lots of different ways to see that and how are we enacting that public purpose, I think is um, up for lots of discussion and up for a lot of different interpretations because That idea of public good or public purpose is a highly contested ideal. And um, some people might interpret that as an economic purpose. It might be interpreted as a philosophical purpose. Um, And all those different lenses that come to bear on what is the fundamental purpose of higher education, I think, are highly contested right now with lots of different stakeholders, wanting lots of different responses from higher education and where do we as universities fit within that public purpose? Where does that, what does that mean for me as an educator? Um, what is it I really want my students to gain through education? All of those, all of those uh, uh, challenges come to bear when I'm making choices, when our Center for Service and Learning is making choices, when Indiana University is making choices. And I think that um, I remain committed to this ideal that higher education has a fundamental role to play in furthering democracy.
0: And it almost seems as though these days, in, in coming from your description, harvesting what you've just said, it's almost as if the university is being asked to be all things to all people maybe more than ever before, what would you describe as some of the reasoning behind these conflicting voices? And if not conflicting, these, um, let's just say the multiplicity of demands perhaps being placed at the doorstep of higher ed today.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that they're conflicting necessarily. I think that there's ways to bridge these different stakeholder voices, because um, the economic purposes of higher education to prepare a student to be a capable contributor through their their job, through their professional work, that is a fundamental purpose of why states fund universities. And so that economic engine of the university is very, very important. I do, however, sometimes get concerned about the emphasis on the economic um, hmm, deliverables versus where is the fundamental ethics of education, and how does that get enacted within the curriculum? Um, I tend to believe and um, have seen across our campus that Every profession has its public purpose. Every discipline has its public purpose. And um, what I would aspire to is that faculty continue to say, what was it that called me into being a literature major? What was the drive behind me being in journalism? What's the purpose of engineering after all? if we as faculty can try to identify what that initial calling is behind our discipline, then that helps to enact what I would say is the broad public purpose of of higher education.
0: So that leads directly to my next question. And that is, if we can agree that part of the defined challenge to higher education today is being clear about our public purpose Mm -hmm. and and enacting and operationalizing that, Mm -hmm. how might teaching in particular help us articulate this challenge? And maybe more importantly, how might teaching in particular in the classroom, whether that be face-to-face or online, Mm -hmm. present a a uniquely perfect pathway Mm -hmm. to
1: solutions? Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's a perfect pathway. I'm gonna say it is our pathway for sure because I think in, in teaching we have an opportunity, the context of both the classroom and what I'd argue the context of the classroom extending into the community, I think it does afford the opportunity to um, challenge and invite students to start seeing themselves And their discipline as having a public purpose and so that students begin to say oh I'm an accountant but what does that accounting field have to do with how I'm going to act and solve problems as a professional and so I do think in that classroom setting um, it's a real important opportunity for faculty literally to challenge students to think in that regard I think we're often focused clearly on our discipline and the knowledge and the skills and all that's critically important. And yet adding to that questions such as, and what do you anticipate? um, How do you anticipate using this? What problem would you like to address? So I think students now come to the university much more eager to be what I'd say civic actors. They are the do-it-yourself generation. They, they have ideas, they have creative expressions of what they would want to do, and, and coaching them through that idea of um, how they can be contributors is really important. You know, um, I had an interesting experience years ago and it happened when I still had three children in the back seat of my car and I was driving by at the time, University of Indianapolis. And I drove by and it it said on the front, can't remember it exactly, but something like education in service to the world. And it caught my attention and it was like, I thought, I've been through my undergraduate degree and no one asked me what I thought my contribution could be to the world through my education and at that particular point I thought there is there is something here that I something in my undergraduate experience was lacking that no one had challenged me to think in that regard and I think that coupled with my longtime career in service learning and civic engagement makes me realize that this generation is actually eager to be confronted with that question I think in ways that my generation wasn't even ready to think about that. And um, I'd argue that it's a faculty members part of our profession to help students understand and see the potential behind how the knowledge that they're gaining, regardless if it's in X, Y, or Z, has a purpose to solving community problems or solving national problems, solving issues, and and helping students to become equipped in sort of enacting that public purpose. The
0: teacher is the linchpin, that the classroom is the place that Mm. we can really Mm. begin to catalyze that enthusiasm, let's Mm. say, the eagerness of the student. Dr. Hatcher, when you reflect on professional development, the way that we are preparing teachers today, and the resources that we're providing our professors at the university, are we doing enough to ensure that we're supporting teachers to be able to go into the classrooms, deliver those messages and questions to their students, And then be able to leverage the resources they have to allow the students to enact Mm. those convictions they reveal.
1: I think we are offering a number of resources. I mean resources that would not have been around 20 years ago. And so a lot of those resources come through centers for teaching and learning. A lot of those resources may come through a center like ours, the Center for Service and Learning. National research or resources through uh, organizations like Campus Compact, um, Imagining America, um, all the work on um, dialogue and you know and addressing difference. Leap resources. So I, in some regard, I think we are resource rich. The place that I think that this can, one resource that I think needs to come better to bear is actually I'm going to say the role of the department chair because because as a faculty member I can be inspired by who I am, my values, how I'm going to enact that within my curriculum. Um, And I do that. And yet if my department chair doesn't understand those, and part of that onus is on me, but I think part of that onus is helping uh, department chairs to understand this really is a, this is the future, one of the futures of higher education. Um, Community engaged learning like online learning is um, a broadening kind of sphere in which students encounter a, a wide range of issues and and it it's now been designated as a high-impact practice that's for certain in our favor but even if you think about high-impact practices generally they take more time they take more energy um, and for for department chairs to understand if you have a faculty member who is actually teaching this way, let's work with them around the scholarship of this um, innovation. Let's work with them to highlight um, the excellence that they are bringing to bear. And um, having department chairs on the side of a faculty member, coaching them to do this work in a scholarly way, I think will go a long way in in, um, providing that kind of um, foundation for faculty who are are called or inspired by this form of teaching. Because we have lots of faculty who are ready to do this type of teaching with an uncertainty of how it actually would be either supported or questioned by um, their department chair.
0: You bring up a great point. The university has, the academy has a long history of understanding how research contributes to the Mm -hmm. commonwealth. I'm not sure we've always been as astute at understanding pedagogical contributions, how teaching can be Mm -hmm. as much of, if not more, Mm -hmm. of a change agent Mm -hmm. in the life of the student. How might even administration at the higher levels begin to assist in perhaps making this shift in vision Mm. for promotion and tenure or for what we might consider at the administrative level, valued work?
1: Mm. You know, we are at a university that values excellence in teaching in our promotion and tenure guidelines. And it's one thing to value things like teaching We're working on our campus around valuing public scholarship in campus level promotion and tenure guidelines. All this is great to have it there, but it's another thing to build the culture that supports this kind of behavior. And so um, what can be done? I think um, we have awards, for example. We at IUPUI have the trustee teaching award, and yet, how is it that we convene those those faculty who have received those awards how is it that we strategically integrate those faculty on key campus communities because their excellence in teaching is going to bring a different perspective to a campus committee that may be studying diversity that may be studying access that may be studying fiscal allocations and so I think we have particular mechanisms in place that could be uh, leveraged further in order to have the, the excellence in a teaching lens be brought to other issues that the university is uh, wrestling with. And um, so that would be one idea that I would recommend.
0: And you mentioned that, uh, you've mentioned a couple of times in our conversation, the future and what you see as the future of higher education. And I think you and I are of the same mind, at least in some way, that we are crafting the future every day we walk in that classroom. But Dr. Hatcher, as you maybe look one more time in that crystal ball and you you think about higher ed, even in the next 50 years, what do you see? Where are we going? what else should we be taking with us? and What do we need to get to
1: back up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going forward, I love that because I tend to be, look at things historically. And, and I was inspired uh, two days ago by asking one of our grad students, um, okay, history of CSL, how do, how do you describe it? He said, it, it's evolving. And I thought, that's right. And so I think higher education is going to continue to evolve. I often think, what would John Dewey think of technology? And so I think one of the landscape, one of the uh, futures, is how is it that we can best leverage technology to build community? What I mean by that is, the classroom to me is is a community. It's a small, it's 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 a Deweyan concept where within that classroom context, we need to cultivate um, both our individual identities but also our group identity. and And out of that classroom is going to come particular knowledge that can um, influence the individuals, but collectively. How is it that we can take action? So there are so many formats and um, uh, IU is invested in the online mechanisms for teaching. And I think really cultivating um, the future of technology to build community for action will be uh, an exciting frontier. I'm not the one to lead in that frontier, (laughs) but I think that uh, the philosophical basis of how do we talk about education that is done in community for community and for democracy, I think that still is a, a, a solid framework on which to build this relationship between technology, community in the classroom, and informing communities?
0: Of course, I think of William James at this point, mm. who joins John Dewey's voice, if you will, when he posits the notion, what if we took all of the resource of our young people that we send to foreign lands to war and kept them at home to make peace and mm. to improve the quality of life? Mm. That's what I feel I'm hearing also, Julie, that the future is much brighter if we bring these wonderful resources together Mm -hmm. to work on important problems in our local communities, teaching being that, at least one Mm -hmm. of the important pathways to that.
1: You know, and that, that reminds me that, how I first got into service learning was in about 1990 teaching a freshman study skills course at IUPUI. And taught it the first time around and knew I needed to switch it up. I switched it up by having the freshman students in this study st- skills course. underprepared students was the appropriate term at that time, and I asked them to teach um, eighth graders at Crispus Attucks Middle School about study skills and so what happened in that classroom is it completely changed the dynamic as college students began to see themselves as experts because and they had a responsibility to teach someone else and so when i go back to that coupled with your question i i i think i will always be an advocate for how is it that we're engaging college students with youth Um, in order to make a significant difference not only in the college students life and their commitment to their education but also the eighth grader for example one of one of the things we know on this campus from all of our research is the importance of eighth grade math that that in and of itself is a is a key Fork in the road on what what direction a student will be able to take, and really, you know, wouldn't it be bold? Wouldn't it be bold if IU, in our in our vast resources, started to say, "How do we, as a collective campus, start looking at seventh and eighth grade math education?" That's the kind of, I mean, certainly math. Writing those are basic skills, but you look across the disciplines and um, and again We do many of these programs, and I want to applaud you know summer uh, We have engineering students who who work with uh, summer camps And we have art students who work with summer camps so many of these things are happening But to do it in a collective way
0: more strategically more
1: strategically so that it's not just this and this and this but it's collectively we we're, we're saying what what can we do as a university that to me becomes um, inspirational
0: and technology may be able to be that glue at least in certainly, sure. certainly. to help us bring yeah. those yeah. those resources yeah. together yeah dr hatcher i would be remiss in not mentioning as we are concluding our conversation how much you have inspired me personally. Mm. As you'll recall, after spending much time studying and reading the research that you and your colleague, Dr. Bringle, had put together you know that I established and ran a help center for eight years and we particularly targeted eighth grade students yeah, in, cool. in part because of your direction and the work that you had been doing uh, and just knowing that that, is, that was the particular pathway uh, that, that our students could help contribute mm. to the building of the Commonwealth. Mm. Mm. So I wanna take this opportunity to thank you publicly not only for your contributions to the field of service learning, to the field of the research in service learning, Mm -hmm. to the scholarship of teaching, but thank you for your contribution, your inspiration in my personal life. Mm.
1: Well, you know, when I hear what you've done, it's like um, that's the kind of influence that, of course, anyone hopes that their career can have. Um, And yet, it's also knowing that all of this work, you know, in our work in service learning and civic engagement across time, we've always said we are uh, finding the path by walking. And so we have all just continued to walk down this path. um, And um, so it's been a pleasure, um, and I've been surrounded by strong, strong colleagues. Um, who are dedicated to this work including you and others through Indiana Campus Compact and it's been um, quite a rewarding career to um, be able to know that not only am I have the opportunity to work and teach with students but have the opportunity to uh, work and teach other faculty as well and that gives me a great sense of satisfaction and and I appreciate the support that I use always given to this work and I look forward to what's coming around the corner. Thank you so much, Dr. Hatcher, for joining us in this great conversation today. Thank you. Thank you.